0: Good morning, good evening. Welcome back, faithful YouTube watchers and podcast listeners to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled mercilessly before their time. I... Of course, I'm your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. And with me, as always, this week, of course, is my trusty co-pilot. You know him as the host of his own show, Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome to Sudden But Inevitable, my friend. How's it going? Oh, man. I am so glad to have you here with me. Can I tell you why, please?
1: I'm I, I don't know why you would want me here, but please tell me. <laughs>
0: it's because josh isn't here and and i need somebody to help run my show because i am clearly not the lever puller here i i i know that everybody is probably wondering where's josh where's josh that's a fair question it's it's a fair question he's on his way as we do here at sudden but inevitable every couple of weeks we send one of us out into winter weather to drive you know, for kind of no reason, it's not true. He's going to the airport to pick up a friend. He's doing a very helpful favor for somebody, so we're not gonna begrudge his absence. But I mean that does sort of just mean that it's me and you, Ricky D. How does that make you feel, man?
1: I wish we had more backup.
0: Oh, man, I know wait a minute i think I think we do have more backup.
2: Hi, there. <laughs>
0: We've got backup in the form of Callie D, one of our biggest supporters and one of our longest listeners ever. She has been here basically since day one. She helps people find the show on Twitter. She helps people find the show on Instagram. Callie D has been one of the biggest cheerleaders for Sudden But Inevitable, and we are so happy to have you with us, Callie. Welcome to the show. How has your week been up to this exact moment?
2: Well, this moment just made the whole week quite a bit better. So now, good. How about yours?
0: I'm glad to hear that. My week, in case you can't tell by my fancy mug, has been very good. If you're out there in the live audience and you're looking for a fancy mug like this, go to cheapseatreviews.libson.com and listen to the Cheapseat Reviews podcast and then purchase this mug. All right, Sean. I expect that check within seven days. <laughs> now, of course, as I have mentioned before... Sudden But Inevitable is the sci-fi rewatch podcast where we dedicate our time to single season shows, usually space westerns that were canceled before their time. That wasn't how we wanted to be necessarily from the start, but it just sort of worked out that way. And along those lines, we have landed here in season three of Sudden But Inevitable, my friends, the live action Cowboy Bebop, which... Of course, was cancelled what thirty days after it came out? I mean it was like less than three weeks, or it was maybe three weeks.
1: Yeah, something like
0: that. It was it was hurtful. I was I was not having a good time. But before we jump into this, we have a lot of people to say hello to in the live chat, and we cannot do this show without the people in the live chat. You may have heard that's one of our weaknesses here at Sudden But Inevitable. (laughs) So I'm going to say hello to Angelus in our live chat, who has provided us with his pick for shot of the show in No Finder One-Liner. I'm going to say hello to Rona in the chat. I want to say hello to Kayliz. I want to say hello to Ozzy Girl. I want to say hello to Meg. I can't tell you how happy I am to have you here, Meg. I challenged Meg to be here today on the sudden but inevitable thirst chat, as we sometimes call it. I said, please come to our chat and make John Chowendos. And she says, I Cho-Cho chose to leave the fandom thing stream to make dad jokes here. You're welcome. Meg, I can't tell you for so many reasons how much that means to me. And and this is going to be forever immortalized on this episode. And, and please bring Carla next time. <laughs> Can you? Can't you we love you both. But uh, Carla, we do miss Carla. It's not that we don't love you. It's that we miss Carla. Please bring her with you. Sounds like we need a hotshot producer. Well, fortunately, we do have one. He's just not here. But trust me, he's a hotshot. And you'll be able to tell. It's it's the hair. Like Meg said, she's we're lucky that she loves us. And we know that, Meg. We we appreciate you being here. Oh, Ricky, there's your answer. Carla is in the fandom stream. So we if need she to were, merge the streams. She would be here with us. You know what happens when you cross the streams. That is not... <laughs> What we are doing tonight, Ricky D. What we are doing tonight is we are going to discuss Season 1. Yes, I said it. Hashtag SaveCowboyBebop. Hashtag MoreBebop. Episode 6, Binary Two-Step. So, normally here, I would say, Josh, what's the synopsis for this episode? But Josh isn't here. And you know what? A good friend of mine recently, who goes by the name of Cameron and hosts a show by the name of Greenshirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation pointed out, you know what, man? All of us do this synopsis thing, and like anybody who's listening or watching probably doesn't need that. And you're about to talk about the whole thing. Is there an actual point to it? And I went, I don't know if there's a point to giving a synopsis. So, in the spirit of my good friend Cameron and the jazz that is cowboy bebop, you guys, let's just jump right into this thing. Binary two step, okay? There's a lot to digest right away. Ricky D, because I feel like you're okay. Let me how do how do I phrase this? I feel like you're chomping at the bit to talk about this episode, Ricky D. I kind of am. Would you Would you like to Would you like to start us off here, like at the start of the episode, for example?
1: Yeah, at the start of the episode, uh, we are in disrepair. Something we are familiar with watching our shows. The ship is broken down. We need to finagle a part in there that may or may not work, but we're gonna have to make it work. And we have a new person on the ship, a nice little mechanic, and a little bit of romance between this new mechanic and Faye. That was kind of exciting. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that.
0: I would imagine. Our wonderful live chat is literally exploding already. Leroy Chokins, welcome to the Ultimate Thirst Chat, says our friend Sincera. Cameron knows his stuff. People, uh, Meg has no idea. She just wants to know what John Cho did in this episode. I promise you, Meg, we will get there. I I feel like that's a good representation and with that and what Ricky D said of probably the first, you know, just up to the theme song of this episode. We've got very Firefly-feeling vibes going on, right? Cap, there's a piece that doesn't work, and we need another one. Somebody
1: has a fancy new gun.
0: And I gotta say, I have wanted... Okay, I don't know if wanted a railgun is the right word. Um, I've played a lot of video games that have railguns in them, right? And there's a nerd part of me that when somebody mentions railgun, I get really excited. So I totally identify with Faye here. Callie D, what did you think of the railgun?
2: The railgun is really cool. It's just her toy. So she just has something new to show, and she shows everybody else, and everybody is just putting her down a little bit for that. So that was a bit sad, but um, I don't know. I like that she liked it, and... It looked really, really cool. So, and you know, it's safe today. So,
0: and that's a good point. I think everybody has had that moment of look at my cool toy, and everybody else going, "Okay, like." Everybody likes whatever. to put
1: down the person that's got something new and exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wonder what that's like. I wouldn't know. We don't have any of those people here no. on either side of that divide, I don't think. Um But yeah, she's got this thing and I'm 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 so excited. I mean it's you know, we're waiting the whole episode to see this gun go off, of course. But we have to address the Mel in the room. The Melephant in the room <laughs> must be addressed. I didn't pick up Mel's name until I think my third watch of this episode, I'll be honest, because I know that Jet says it to her, but I don't know if it gets mentioned prior to that. And and I was just having this moment of like, is her? Does she have a name yet? Um, but I, I just a really quick piece of insight. Uh, my very good friend Angelus, who does happen to be here in the live chat, was letting me know about his watching experience of this episode. And when Mel first showed up and was flirting with Faye, Angelus was going, "Okay, this feels a little sudden." He didn't say, but inevitable. Um, like this is kind of quick, you know, is there really a love it for a sight thing going on here, but I'm willing to reserve judgment until I get to the end of the episode. And then I believe once Angeles got to the end of the episode, he was very pleased. He went, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. Like, I, I like how this played out. I'm not upset anymore. Um, Ricky D, I know, I know we already mentioned it, but go ahead. Talk about Faye and Mel. Nice. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't really know what more there is. I know you're trying to kind of put me into this role. <laughs> uh
0: you were in this role my friend i did not put you in it
2: (laughs) no getting out of it now
1: uh yeah it's super hot (laughs) super duper hot
0: (laughs) i don't have any tattoos personally but i I am a fan of a well-placed and a well-drawn tattoo um ricky d do you have any tattoos
1: uh i do have one tattoo
0: is it up your entire spine like uh Mel the mechanic?
1: No, and it's not on my shoulder like Mel's where they've got like the girl licking the gun. Don't have that one either.
0: That was a cool tattoo. Is that what your tattoo is even if that's not where your tattoo is? No,
1: it's uh it's a band logo. Sorry. Okay.
0: We don't have No, it's okay. It's, <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. I I just wanted to know if you had that exact, you know, that one, but Not quite. Um the the brand on the gun was very cool. Electric eliminators, like that's that's pretty cool. I believe I saw a tweet from one of the production photos that were, they had that like on a band, like a bomber jacket on the back of a jacket, and they turned it into a cool jacket for the crew. But I was just really upset. Um, also, they sort of blew past that Bigfoot was per, was caught. Yeah, like I got but that. I mean,
2: was he? Because they, they I don't know. Spike's really, like, look, was this little bit? What? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I know we've had guests on this show in particular say that that Cowboy Bebop is guilty of giving us more interesting side characters than actual plots, and I have disagreed with that, and I continue to, but in this instance, uh, did they catch Bigfoot? Like, They kind of blew right past that, and yes, to Meg's point, it's kind of like Vera. There's so many space western vibes from other space westerns in this, and... This has to be brought up. Meg pictured me as a tramp stamp guy, apparently, which JB says would be inevitable, which I think is a well-structured chat joke. Good job, you guys. I like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt anybody's train of thought. The Bigfoot thing. It immediately... I don't know about you, Ricky D, and I promise this is not just me looking for an excuse to bring this up. It immediately made me think of Futurama. And there has been some serious news. And I hesitate to use the... Fun good news, uh, <laughs> Professor Voice. Um, surrounding Futurama, have you heard about this Futurama news, Ricky D?
1: Of course I have. Futurama is being brought back to life for the fourth time. Uh, but uh, one of the big issues is every time the series Futurama ends, it has an amazing ending, which is something that people really crave. Either you have shows that don't get an ending, like Firefly or Cowboy Bebop or countless others, uh, or you get a show where people are disappointed with the ending, like The Sopranos or Seinfeld or anything like that. But Futurama has like three amazing endings where they just they laid everything out flat, they cinched up every storyline, they made everybody happy, and then they just keep on reopening it, which is nice. But it's also scary for the people that really love the this perfect little package that Futurama is and what's coming up what they're going to do in with this new one is they're not paying for John DiMaggio he is the voice actor of Bender and Bender maybe not the main character in the series he's probably the most loved
0: so are you saying that if they don't have Bender you won't watch it I'll probably watch
1: it either way. That was a lot of silence. I apologize to everyone. You shouldn't leave that much silence. Uh, I'll probably still watch it. I actually still need to catch up on some of the last episodes. So (sighs) I'm already... I envy you, my friend. As near as Futurama is to my heart, I have kind of moved on a little bit. Uh, But that said, it's still something I enjoy and I'm going to watch. It's just not something that I'm clawing for.
0: Well, so here's the reason that I ask is because... I know that a lot of people are feeling similarly to you where they're like oh i'll probably watch it but i know there's a lot of people that are like oh there's no way that i'm gonna watch this at all especially if they don't have this one piece and that immediately made me think oh like those folks that said well if there's no ed i'm not gonna watch cowboy bebop i'm not gonna watch this adaptation if they don't have everything that i want in it exactly how i want it and i'm not trying to say that you're a whiny man child or anything I'm just saying that that reminded me of that thing. Oh, mm-hmm. Which subsequently reminded me, I actually failed to ask our guest, Callie D. Do you have, which really quickly, no relation to Ricky D. I could see where you might be confused by that whole other country, entirely separate bloodlines. It's, it's, they're just the same last initial.
1: Possible related ancestors. And
2: my mom has said that she will adopt you. So but we're, we're basically siblings now.
0: <laughs> Don't tempt me. It's, it's true. I mean, this, this Callie D's family has been so supportive of Sudden But Inevitable that at times her mother, Rona, in the live chat, has offered to adopt Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. If the case were ever to arise in which he needed it, she would be there for him. Now, I failed to ask you, Callie D, please share with the listening audience and the live viewers there at home what is your experience with Cowboy Bebop? Did you come to the series originally through the anime? Is the live-action series your first experience with Cowboy Bebop? Please share.
2: Well, um, I actually took the Josh and Ricky D route of Cowboy Bebop to nobody's surprise. So yeah, I hadn't actually I heard of Cowboy Bebop before last year, but I hadn't ever you know thought to watch it because I was kind of like, yeah, you know, space cowboys, whatever sure, there's plenty of other anime that I actually like, so yeah, I'll skip it. And um, yeah, so I watched it week by week last year, and then the live action, as soon as it came out, I started binging that, because it's awesome, and I love it. And yeah, that's my whole experience with Cowboy Bebop.
0: (sighs) That's so cool. I I actually, I gotta be honest, folks, I knew that before I asked, (laughs) but the reason that I did it Was to illustrate what I mean when I say that these folks have been supportive of our show, right? So Callie D listened through our entire second season and was watching the show with us. And when we, you know, started planning this season, it was like our our next natural impulse was to reach out and say, hey, do you want to come on the show? Because that's how we got Ricky D his own podcast i mean that's where best flicks with ricky d came from we were on i was on quest me with josh originally which is twist my arms star wars podcast and initially i was there semi-reluctantly mostly as the foil right and then ricky d was in our live chat and then he came on an episode and then he started making podcasts with us it's just like i just think it's really cool like this is so emblematic of the found family that we so frequently find in the space westerns that we watch, right? It's uh, Firefly is the nine strangers looking into the abyss and finding out how they change. And Cowboy Bebop is not quite that deep, but it is super fun and jazzy. And I just, I got to say, thank you, Callie D, for supporting us and for being here. We really appreciate you.
2: I enjoy being here. Oh, gosh.
0: Ozzy Girl says, every part of life becomes instantly better with Callie D. Rona says... I would certainly adopt Ricky D any day, or indeed any of the SBI team. Um, If that is an offer, we're looking for takers for Josh, not for any particular reason. It's just that we feel like he could use, um, you know, some, some, some TLC these days. Speaking of TLC, I feel comforted when I drink out of my mug from Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that reviews the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Now that we've gotten that out of the way and I think we're basically at the theme music and past for this episode of Cowboy Bebop. I will go ahead and ask you Ricky D. This episode okay, it has the the A and the B plot, which is something I very recently learned about, right? I if you listen to our last episode, you'll hear me go, "Oh, there's an A and a B plot in every episode of Cowboy Bebop." So, I think the B plot here is actually the mechanic. It's the one we see first, right? But the A plot is Spike getting yeah. brain scratched, right? Yep. He's getting brain scratched from the original series. And this is like some end of the original series level character development events that we have going on here. Like, for example, Julia gets shot in the head. Sure, it's in a simulation, right? But Spike is still forced to kind of like watch that happen and then deal with it and then relive it and try to avoid it you know it's very matrix groundhog day whatever trope you want to pick mm-hmm. but that's like seeing julia get shot is was really jarring for me honestly like even this time watching it cuz i knew it was coming but it was like which time through the thing does it happen oh it's this time i i know that it's not exactly brain scratch from the anime, right? But it is there is a lot of very similar elements. You got the tower of TVs. You have the Londez character. You know that kind of a thing. Ricky D. Between these two plots, right? I'm not going to ask you which plot is your favorite, but <laughs> I will ask you: What did you think about this like re jazzed weird translation of the? kind of the end of the series with spike and julia from the original anime because that's kind of the only place we see her in the original series is at the very end and yes spoiler alert she dies um so like that's way different than this series in so many ways right so what was ricky d what were you thinking with with this julia plot i'm just walking me through it (laughs) yeah
1: well i think the Brain Scratch episode was, like, episode 23 or 24. So it was real close to the end. But honestly, we only have four four more episodes to go ourselves. Yeah. So we're not that far from the end of this season. (sighs) Um, And, you know, they've been pushing really hard on the syndicate storyline. So it fits that they kind of worked that in right now, because every single episode has some syndicate storyline, unlike the anime. And just the overall, that whole storyline thing, where every time he died, he had to go through everything again, and it was slightly downgraded until it was like a barely functioning world. I really enjoyed all of that.
0: Yeah, Callie, do you, what did you think of the the uh, visual and audio effects while he was in that simulation? Was that like disorienting enough, or what, does it jarring? Like, I, I think I'm in the same boat as Ricky, where I was like. I dig this.
2: No, I actually I actually really liked it. Like especially um the visual, how it's just off always went just slightly synthetic, the whole background and everything that she just were paying attention. I actually thought that was really, really good. Um especially since the whole thing it sort of felt like you know he was being forced into a dream. And that's kind of like you know how when you're dreaming you can't always focus on everything and it sort of all, can get outside out focus. So that's yeah. No, I thought that was actually really well done
0: actually really like that point because that was i remember in the matrix they would say it sorry in the first matrix movie ever the matrix they would say have you ever had a dream you're so sure was real you know what if you couldn't wake up from that or if you couldn't tell you could wake up from that and i that struck me when you said the dream thing because like i've almost never felt that a dream sequence on screen is shot well right like it's always too cartoony or animated or something. It's very, like... Uh, I don't know what... The, it's They're like the definitely overly...
1: hard to pull off.
0: Yeah, without seeming dumb. I mean, to, like, okay, let's stick with John Cho, because why not? In the dream sequence in Harold and Kumar, right? <laughs> they had to go so over the top with that, because they're like, okay, we need this to be obvious that it's a dream. We're going to be really wacky. Like, let's just be totally ridiculous. But here it's like the dreamlike quality of it is that it's this close to reality or it feels this close to reality. And like that um, that like hard edges on everything, it like it feels like it's messing with your peripheral vision, which feels very dreamlike. Right. You can always just barely not see what's on the side of you in a dream. So I think that's an excellent, excellent point. I think my favorite part of it was (laughs) Meg. I love you. Yes, let's stick to John Cho. <laughs> wink wink. Um, my favorite part of that was the audio changes, I think, because it, it fits so well with the you know, the audio remix nature of what Bebop is anyway. And the the kind of weird dating and filtering and like just wah 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 that was going on the whole time. I was like, this is very disorienting in a great way.
1: Especially near the end where they got into the gunfight and yeah. you know they were really playing with the reality. That was real that was a lot of fun.
0: And I really I'll, I'll be honest, I did not pick this up the first time. I think it took me the second time, but when Spike puts Julia on the motorcycle and they drive off and then Jet shows up, the motorcycle is still there. So I was like, Okay, so the camera pans. And like watches them leave on the motorcycle, then pans back, and the motorcycle is still there. So it's the same. It's like you know, this is not reality. It was another one of those like dream-like, wait, <laughs> what, double take things. And it was just, yeah, I I really appreciated it. We've got a lot of activity in the chat.
2: I'm just watching my my adopted family growing by the second. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is there's gonna be so many people at your house by the end of this episode, Kelly D.
1: <laughs> Thanksgiving's gonna be. Oof.
0: I'll no longer be able to say no relation <laughs> at the end of introducing both you and Ricky in the same episode. It's going to be insane. Um, and, you know, maybe if we work really hard, Meg can end up related to John Cho. <laughs> I think I think we just kept Meg in the chat for at least another 30 minutes. What do you guys think? Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Well, I think we need to remind Meg about, is that the first or the second episode where John Cho was fighting that statue? Like, he was training his martial arts, and he's just, he's shirtless and sweating and... <laughs> Just looking great. So, Meg, go back and check that out.
0: Yes, but if you describe it too well, then she will leave our stream to go watch it right now. Do you? Uh, two two tabs, Meg. Two tabs, two tabs, please. Um, uh, JB says maybe we can all catch Nessie and beat the Bigfoot capture. I Mustafa got stuck thinking of more bebop puns. That's pretty solid, Angeles. <laughs> I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, so I. Uh, the brain scratch. It, it, there are a lot of similarities with this brain scratch thing from the anime, right? Not the least of which being, this is maybe I think this is our first mention by name of Radical Edward in the series, right? They're like, Jet just casually says, "Oh yeah, I got this call from Radical Edward." That's kind of like, uh, it's kind of a huge thing, you guys. Mm-hmm. I was I remember the first time watching through, going, okay. So Ed's gonna be here somewhere, right. right? I'm I'm good with it, and I think if we go back, I think Josh or I may have called like they're gonna put Radical Ed in the last episode, and they're gonna be like next time on Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> and you know it. I'm I'm on the record as having had no problem with the Ed performance, um, but. The the cold part of my heart goes, why why did we wait so long? Now, the the logical part of my heart knows why. That's an intense character. And if you put that character right up front, it's going to put a lot of people off right away. Apparently, and it turns out that that happened anyway. Because a lot of people were like, what's with the weird 70s feel? I, why are they in a space casino? Those are questions I don't think need to be asked. But I guess a bunch of people asked those questions when they were watching. So anyways, there are a lot of similarities to the Brain Scratch episode. But this this doctor character guy, he's totally new. What did you think of this character, Ricky D? Uh,
1: I kind of liked him. Uh, you're right. I didn't realize he wasn't from the original anime, but uh, he kind of reminds me of, uh, from Big Lebowski.
0: Uh, John. Yes. Uh, wow, what is his last name? We are... Terrible at this. John Goodman's character. John Goodman. Oh, he's in
1: righteous gemstones. Come on, Ricky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, Ricky.
1: Yes, John Goodman. He gave me John Goodman from Big Lebowski vibes, just kind of nutty, but also kind of in charge, and he knows everything, but it's just hard to get information out of him.
0: Yeah. And I I really dug the tiny little glasses, honestly. Like I felt that was a nice touch. Um, Callie D, what did you think of this guy? I can't remember his name. I'm gonna call him this guy.
2: I knew his name. I forgot his name. I've forgotten his name. Um
0: Dr. K-Pack.
2: There you go. Thank you. I'll forget that in 10 seconds, but now we know. Uh yeah. Actually, I don't know. Honestly, I kind of forgot about him afterwards. Like I watched the episode and then just rewatched it. It was kind of like, oh yeah, there was, you know, there was that guy. Um and you know, he was sort of trying to he's the whole reason that Dr. London exists, right? Because he created the AI. He said,
0: Yeah, he or like he was part of maybe the team that created the AI. Yeah,
2: but I like him, he's sweet.
0: I was so convinced he would be bad. I was like, He's gonna be, he'll be like the guy that at the end they'll be like, Oh, he's almost out, and he'll be like, Actually, I'm here to <laughs> capture his brain, you know, or something. I was like, Oh, that better not happen. Now, of course, this, like I said, this is the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh time I've seen this episode. <laughs> trying to count and and i just i i i was a little bit surprised the first time but i think i settled into sort of the spot that you guys did with him where i was like he's kind of fun and 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 avuncular i like this guy he he feels like an uncle to me and that's that's cool um meg adores scotsman by the way just she felt the need to put that in the chat there are no Scotsmen in this show megan now i got i don't know about you ricky d well, I do, but um, that's the setup to this next phrase, which is, "I got serious dead space vibes from the chair, like the uh, oh yeah, the brain scratch chair that he was in had that metal ribbing felt right. Why like, would you ever sit down in that chair? Yeah, don't, I mean, come on, right? You could
1: see all the like automatic straps that are gonna come out of it, and
0: don't sit down there. It's <laughs> it's like looking at a spider web and going." Mm, if I lean into this giant spider web, will a spider show up? <laughs> like, It just seems, yeah, like you don't lay into a chair that has restraints built into it. But I, we digress, as we are wont to do here. I do have to, okay, let's go back to the B plot, I think, which is the Mel and Faye plot. Callie D., when I invited you to be a guest on Sudden But Inevitable, I said, give me your top three episodes that you would like to talk about. This was amongst them. I feel like you probably had a reason. Oh, no, it, was, it was
2: coincidence. It was just random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I, could, I mean, a couple of reasons. I mean, the one thing is I really love everything Groundhog Day episode wise. So that's the for me, the actual B, pl- B plot, as Sarah points out. Here's the thing. I love Mel. She's, she just comes onto the whole show. First thing she does is just put down Jet for just, just you know, destroying the whole ship. And then she makes Faye fluster, which I don't think we've actually ever had happen, that she just is completely speechless. Saves the day, and this is also really supportive. So it's I don't, until that episode, I was very, very invested in finding out what they were planning to do with um, Julia and Spike. And then Mel turned up, and I was like, you know what? Never mind. I just... I just want to, yeah. Let's just have her come on board and she can be like the Kelly of the episode and just like of the season. So I'm, you know, maybe season two, she can come back and be a permanent member of the crew, which I would love.
0: Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. Give us hashtag more Bebop. I I don't mean to indicate with the letters A and B that either plot (laughs) is more important. I merely mean to indicate which plot, I believe, had more screen time. And, and you could argue that... Well, I guess you could argue either way, because at the end, the plots converge. So you could argue that Spike spent the whole episode getting to Faye and <laughs> Mel, or you could argue the other way. But I think that's a valid point. And I don't... Let's call him plot A and plot one. <laughs> I
1: just wanted to follow up on what Callie D was saying. Uh, I also really liked the Mel character, uh, we got to see most of her right breast, which was fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, Jesse, high five, right? Yeah, yeah high yeah. five.
0: I, 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 I'm just gonna leave that because I hope that somebody who listens to the podcast version thinks you and I are in the same room <laughs> and that we just high fived. Like, high five, but that you like forced your high five upon me. So now the techno babble on the Mel character. I mean. Right. If, if, the, if there was anything that was going to make me swoon other than her ability to make Faye swoon, which is fair, it would be the techno battle because she just rattles it right off like it's her second nature. Now, of course, any engineer worth their space salt can do that, but it's pretty clear that Mel is worth her space salt. I think to the point that Angelus made and to the point that Ricky and Callie D both touched on, again, different Ds. I think what's so great about Mel is that she is so lovable, and you're immediately like, oh, let this be a main character. This is so perfect of a setup for a main character. And then Mel goes, oh, you're not ready for me as a main character. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you haven't developed enough as a character yet. I can't be on the show yet. Like, she basically says that to you. And, and it's like, oh, you're right. Like, ow. Ow because it wouldn't make sense for Faye to fall in love with somebody and have a permanent girlfriend for the entire series, right? Like, that's that's the kind of thing that would cause people to go, hashtag not my Faye, not my, f- I'm not making fun of you, Sincera, I just, I know you like your, your, your not my hashtags. So, um, it's just, it's one of those things that I feel could create additional vitriol amongst the fans if it were to happen. And I think it's realistic in in that that in that Mel immediately goes, okay, look, this was a lot of fun. Space is a big place. <laughs> like, I'm very clearly a ultra cool, fly by the seat of my pants mechanic. You're very clearly a traumatized, like whatever it is that you are. <laughs> and I think that the thing that I love about it is you, you don't feel that Faye feels judged by Mel right but mel does say look there is a there's something here that we're not we're not lining up we can't just be together right and i would think on screen lesbian physical relationship has got to be considered a win for representation especially you know in an anime that was mostly just leering at women from under their skirts (laughs) for a, a respectable portion of the show um but our friend Aussie girl in the chat has only managed the first episode so far uh, our friend Angelus in the chat asks with Callie and Ricky is this the double D show <laughs> our friend Sin Sarah says it's just vicious that's the only thing that is hashtag not Sin Sarah's so that's fair our friend JB has only seen the live action that is cool I, I, that, I'm gonna give a thumbs up for that that's just cool um, but go back and check out the anime. I think if you like the live-action, you'll probably find a lot to like about the anime. To that point, I found out today on Twitter, at Butt that apparently there's a pretty solid dividing line. So if you happen to be out there on Twitter or wherever you are, and you like anime Cowboy Bebop and live-action Cowboy Bebop, then follow me on Twitter, at SuddenButt, and listen to this show on your favorite podcatcher. It's the way you should do things anyway. Now, back to Mel the Mechanic. That's fun to say, right? <laughs> I mean, you guys, Mel the Mechanic would have been coming back. That's all there is to that, right? But as I was saying, I think I think the, the, the thing that I like about her is that it doesn't feel like she's judging Faye, but she knows that there needs to be a boundary here. And that's, this is probably like the most healthy interpersonal exchange between anybody on this show in the entire series, right? Like somebody going, hey, here's how I feel. How do you feel? Is that acceptable? Like, that's pretty grown up, especially for the series. Most people would just, like, shoot each other.
1: so. And uh, we mentioned a couple of times uh, Cowboy Bebop, the animated show, might not really pass the Bechdel test, which is, you know, having important, strong female characters that interact with each other. And, you know, for a long time, movies were just white guys smoking and making business deals. So it's kind of (laughs) an effort to... Engage everybody in the filmmaking process, uh, but this uh, Faye and L or Mel here, much more, much more fully developed characters.
0: Yes, and to your point of the Bechdel test, the reason I think that they pass specifically in this episode is because they have whole conversations together with each other where they're not talking about a man. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of you know things that will get pointed to, like oh, there's two women in this scene but all those two women do is talk about a husband or, you know, a man that they work with or something, this clearly passes that test. This is them having just a conversation about past traumas and, you know, potential future relationships. And it it has to be said, okay, Daniela Pineda's Faye is, we have said before, she might be one of our favorite parts of the show, but the depth of emotion that flash across this actress's face in this episode, I mean, that is a huge thing. I gotta I gotta ask Callie D. For Faye, between the live action and the anime, do you have a preference between the two Fays? Are they one and the same to you or do you love them differently?
2: Ooh, I'm not good at choosing, to be honest. Um, <laughs> especially when it comes to adaptations. Like I I like that it's different and that it's its own thing. So I do compare it without meaning to, but at the end of the day I like that it's you know, just its own thing. So Defei from the live action, I very, very much love her. And like I say, the anime too. But um, I just, I don't know, I just really like that she has both. So she does the, you know, the really cool bounty hunter who just comes in and causes chaos and, you know, gets Mickey out for guys. But um, that she can also do the emotional side and just, yeah, can be vulnerable, at least around the right people. So, right. Also, hashtag.
0: Now? i think well and i think that's a really good point because i think it's implied in the original series that Faye could be she could form an attachment if she felt like it yeah. right but she's ultra defensive she's like a hundred percent wall all the time she she does not let anybody in so i think that's actually a really good point um your wonderful mother in the chat asked is there a bechdel equivalent for dogs because i think we need more ein time <laughs> um Which, of course, the answer is, yes, it's called the Barkdell test. (laughs) I think that's obvious. Uh, But I do agree with you that we need more time. Absolutely. Anyways, um, one more thing about the Matrix, just because I I feel like I I was stuck on that for a minute. The cell phone rings here really remind me of the cell phone rings from the original Matrix, maybe the first and second original Matrix, but at, like, a different um, pitch, right? It's the same uh like number of rings or something. Did those
1: phones actually exist where you could like pinch it and the receiver would shoot out of
0: it? Uh he's referring to the phones from the Matrix, not from Cowboy Bebop. Um but yeah they so yes, the answer is I believe that there were like three or four Qualcomm uh model phones that were specifically like Matrix branded phones, and were probably nine hundred dollars a piece. Probably. Which back in the day was like, well, nobody's gonna buy a nine hundred dollars cell phone, and now that's just you know how you buy a cell phone. Um, I digress. But I no, I appreciate that. I was always <laughs> wondering like, that was kind of a
1: cool phone, and I wonder, but I've never seen it.
0: I, yeah, and I remember, I believe when the second Matrix movie came out, they they really pushed it because I think all the main characters had them, and by then it was like a a weird, like, um, bespoke merchandising meta-giant. Like, you, they were selling a lot of coats and sunglasses and <laughs> cell phones, right? But not action figures. I don't know if any of that phrasing was correct. But um, I do have a bit of a personal question for you guys. And, you know, since this is Found Family, I think that that's okay. Um, and, you know, to give us all, you know, a baseline... We're going to make Ricky D go first. So, Ricky D, if an AI were trying to exploit your emotional tether so it could detach your consciousness from your neural network, who would be in the VR simulation with you?
1: Uh, a little sad, but the really only, the real only answer is my dog.
0: Aw. I'm... Um- I think for me, that's sad because it's not me and it's not Josh, it's your dog. But that's really cool for your dog Zoe. I mean, Zoe is a beautiful person in her own right. Yeah. I think that's cool. And what matters is the connection. And that's kind of the point. And that's why the question is personal, even though it was phrased in a hilarious manner. Um, Callie D, same question. If an AI were trying to exploit your emotional tether so it could detach your consciousness from your neural network, who would be in the VR simulation with you?
2: Who? Difficult. I mean, it wouldn't be my cat, because I already know how my cat feels about me, so that's just... I, yeah, don't have a Zoe. Uh, how all
0: cats feel about people. <laughs> yes.
2: She loves me in her own way. Um, oh, That's really tough. I mean, it could... I don't know. Anywhere from my husband to my girls in the chat, um, including my mom, of course. I don't know. Difficult. I probably couldn't... Say, I it would probably be sort of like a not just one person situation.
0: Right. Yeah. No. And yeah. I don't mean to imply that it would have to be one person. I just, I think in Spike's uh, instance, that's meant to imply that this is the only thing that he could be distracted by, right. Specifically for Spike. But I think for any, any person myself included to that point, it could be any family member. It could be any very, very close friend. It could be, um, you know, somebody who is supposed to be here for your podcast, but just isn't for whatever reason. Um, You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that that could be. Um, I think for me personally, it would, it would definitely be family. It would have to be family. Um, I think it changes per person, probably per chapter of life, right? Like if I were a kid, it would be a different answer than it would today. But I think it, this is probably one of those moments that bumps some people, right? Because we have Spike saying, I'm going to, okay, I'll give up on Julia. And I remember going, he would never do that. He would never do that. And then like 45 (laughs) seconds later, he's like, but I'm not going to give up on you right now. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. All right. That's what I thought. Like, but I do remember the first time being like, what's going on here? What's going on? And you know, we don't get, we don't get a lot of um, dialogue from Vicious in this episode. We mostly get, vicious like being a menacing presence um
2: which should be the first hint that that's not real is just a dream because he's not talking
0: <laughs> right exactly and that's this that's the vicious that sincera has been waiting for the quiet all he does is shoot and pull out weapons and do things and so i i like you know you got the thing right like i'm, I'm not saying like be happy with that i'm just saying i think that the show's creators went we need to have this too i think they knew that there was going to be that that thing, right? Um, but it, it just, just a thing. Um, I would like to say good evening to our wonderful friend Meg Griffin in the John Cho thirst chat. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, Meg. We are honored by your presence. Please go watch Cowboy Bebop so that you can at least talk about your favorite John Cho the next time you're here. I'm not saying you have to. I just think it would be fun. Now, I think that. This the you know when we when we get to the part of this where our our plots start to converge right we find out we're going to Earth. This is the first time we've been to Earth in this series, if I'm not mistaken. I think so.
2: I think it gets it? mentioned, yeah, but I don't think we actually,
0: yeah. I think it was mentioned. You're correct, but it what, but it wasn't actually there. But speaking of the mentioning it without it actually being there, did you guys notice the pillar that Spike is leaning on in the VR simulation, Callie D? What is the pillar?
2: That is the memorial for the Astral Gate accident. I was very excited when I saw that. I think Wicked didn't see it. Oh, no.
0: I didn't. Nope. I missed it. <sighs> it's it's one of those very small details that we here at Sudden But Inevitable are known for pointing out and going, look at the cool world building. But I'm very glad that you caught that. It was one of those, I don't think I caught it the first time. I think I had to be told about it. But then I was like waiting for it. And It does, oh, the other, yeah, that's right, the other mention that we had had of Earth up to this point was he asked the old guy, hey, have you seen anything? And he went, I haven't seen anything since Earth. It was like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I just, uh, the Earth shots, the Astral Gate shots, Disaster Memorial were the most interesting part of the episode for our friend JB in the live chat. I have to say, um, the thing that is really cool about that is that in the original series, When we do get back to Earth and we're looking for, I believe in that instance, Ed's father, we see that his job is to like chase meteors for uh, potential minerals, I think, that they have when they hit the ground. And so that he can map where all the, that's what it is. He's trying to map where the craters are. It's like a fool's errand and that's sort of the point of it. I actually wrote down the same thing. I was like, oh, meteors in the background, meteors in the background. We could potentially get Ed's dad, quote unquote, in Season 2, hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. Give us hashtag more Bebop. The, what is it? It's like a server room, right? Where Where this AI lives. And then that's like happening in parallel with Spike, his meter going up slowly, right? I gotta be honest, you guys. Even though I know how this episode ends, every time I watch that, my heart gets racing. It's like, okay, this is intense. Like this, and I think part of it is the music, right? And part of it is like, It feels realistic to Spike for me. I think as far as a translation from the original series goes, yeah, it's a little different, but I think it's an expansion more than it is like a divergence, if that makes sense. Um, Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. How do you feel about the, the translation of the brain scratch elements into live action here?
1: I don't remember a whole lot of the anime episode. So it's going to be a little bit hard to compare, but uh, the chair was there. The the Matrix-esque, like, uh, making people afraid or making people, like, putting people into the extremes of their emotions in order to get more output from them for the machines. Uh, That was all there. I thought it was really good. I also remember seeing the Tower of Televisions. That was unbelievable. So if we're trying to draw comparisons, the Tower of Televisions, that was supposed to represent Londes and all of the weird, uh, symbols all over the TVs, the triangles with eyes in them and all of that. Uh, I think they did a really good job kind of sending it over into the real world.
0: Very, uh, Illuminati, you know, st- yeah. style imagery kind of, you know, stick with the heavy conspiracy stuff. And actually to that point, I'll ask you both. Did you get any specific vibes from the Institute? that that spike goes to like when he went in there were there was there something was there anything that you guys were like oh this feels like a this because to me i was thinking like heavy like maybe early scientology vibes like they're making fun of some of that they've got some of that like 70s like very new wave culty like healing stuff like you know free your mind and the rest will follow do this like it seems to fit with like the general 70s aesthetic that goes on here and I just I really love that aspect of the translation right because I don't know I think the word might be cheese you guys like there's cheese in the anime right and they they brought its camp the word is camp there's camp in the anime mm. there's cheese in the anime but they translated it into camp I think in the live action and I feel like the toning of that was just just really really well done, personally, and and I I really liked that. Um, this is a very confusing live chat. I'm not going to keep reading into this. Oh,
1: it's they're going nuts in there. <laughs> Who would have thought that Meg leaving would have sent the ra- chat further off the rails?
0: Yeah, usually her being here is like the agent of chaos that just happens. I just I'm wow. I'm I gotta pay. So much attention to my notes now. A um, lot of sci- lot of synth music in this episode. Uh, we mentioned like the kind of distortion on on like the theme song and some of the audio going on earlier. But there's a lot of synth. that reminded me personally of Logan's Run, which we watched here at Sudden But Inevitable. Um, I I know that we went a little more jazzy this week, you guys, with not having a synopsis and just kind of jumping point to point. And because of that, I think it becomes more pertinent for me to say, let's take a moment to back up. And let me ask Callie, is there anything from this episode that you feel like you have to discuss before we move forward?
2: Well, one thing I just want to ask, did either of you notice when um, Spike is strapped to the chair and there's that camera of you going up his arm, did you notice that he has buttons that are different? Because I've never actually noticed it until then.
0: On his on his suit jacket, because
2: mm-hmm. he has you know on the side he has like two silver buttons, and that's, that's actually it might be the first time that there's a close-up. That's the first time I noticed a close-up of the buttons.
0: I did not see those.
2: There is a kanji sign, so basically a Japanese sign on there, and it is the sign I had. To, this part I had to look up. I did not know that, but um, there's the sign for water on the buttons.
0: Oh, clear water.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That is so cool. I, did, I totally missed that. I mean, I have to go back and watch this episode again now.
1: <laughs> clear water?
0: Well, it's 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 the symbol for water, but I assume it's a reference to clear water, which is. Okay, how... I was
1: going to say uh, if we're going down the Scientology path, do we know where the major center for Scientology is? It's is in it... Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I mean, so I don't. Th- I don't think we're going down that path. I don't think they're actually. No, no, no.
0: But, but it's a reference to Spike having said in the anime, "You have to be like clear water." So it's. That's his fighting style. You know, yeah, that's wow. That is an excellent pickup, Callie D. What else you got?
3: Wow.
2: Oh gosh, now I think I've just raised my level of cool too high. I'm not sure I can keep this one up. Ricky D, quick, distract him.
1: All right. Oh, uh, Julia. Yeah, there was one thing I wanted to talk about Julia a little bit. Uh, This is the first time that we see her that she's not like totally got all of her shields up. She's usually around vicious and she's silent and she's back in the corner and she's just kind of staying out of the way and she's this very, uh, she's a sad, tragic character. But in this episode, we see her kind of coming out of her shell a little bit and. What I noticed, something that kind of struck me is she's much more beautiful. Uh, her face and her characteristics are all very pretty when she's coming out of that shell a little bit. And it reminded me of Angela on The Office. If you ever, if you watch The Office normally, she's just this evil shrew of a woman. She's always scowling. I, I would never describe her as an attractive person. But if you watch the um, bloopers or something and you see her laughing, which she rarely does in the show. It's like, Oh my God, this woman is gorgeous. And it's just a uh, kind of, I think that's a very, that's a high level of acting to be able to really control your face like that. And
0: yeah. Well, um, I'm certain that in some way what you've just said is very reductive and bad, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take it in I, the intended spirit, which was yes. positive and, and complimentary. And, and, it's a good point, and and I think, man, I really really see what you're talking about now specifically because she does have a lot of you know you know shields up and kind of like, she she's always navigating a dangerous situation.
1: And there's always like shadows on her face, and yeah. she's always just kind of pointed down, and
0: yeah. And this is kind of her. I mean, literally in broad daylight, and she's you know telling Spike you know here's what you should do, and and this that and the other thing. And that's, that's actually another huge thing, uh, a, a giant divergence from the anime. So uh, Callie D, on on Julia, how do you feel about just the, ch- I mean, I know we try not to talk about episodes that are coming up later, but just the changes to her character overall, just speak on those if you would like.
2: Well, I honestly didn't expect that much to happen. Like, I, I, it was very clear from the beginning of the live action that they were gonna do more with her. But even then I didn't like it it was like Ricky D was saying, like um she was in sort of this abuser situation where it's just sort of a small character and she just seems very small. And I kind of assumed that they would just keep it that way. So I actually really like that they made more out of that. And that also, especially in this episode, we saw a completely different side of her. Um yeah, no, so I did actually quite like that, all things considered. What I was wondering though, um, in this episode, like I mean, of course, compared to what we see beforehand of um, Julianne dishes, Spike and Julia seem pretty good in comparison. But when you were watching it the first time, did you feel that like the the relationship of um, Spike and Julia was sort of more in the romantic side, or like the depiction of it was it, did it seem more romantic, or just maybe not so much?
0: You mean in this series, like did they? Was the chemistry there for me? Is that kind of what you're getting at?
2: And specifically in this episode, because like the first time I was watching it, I thought it's like it seemed pretty romantic that he wasn't letting go and was just sort of fighting for her. But rewatching yeah. it, I wasn't so sure.
0: Yeah, it's a little it is kind of like, you know, is he holding on despite her wishes or is she, you know, Are they both on the same page as far as she is only doing this because she thinks it's the only way to keep him safe? And he's saying, you know, you're keeping me from having agency by not letting me take the risk. And she's saying, well, you're, you know, doing the same thing. It is it is a fair question to ask, and I don't know if I have the answer to it, but I think for me it was like she definitely still felt like, for me, she was there almost – as an agent of vicious until we got to like the third or fourth go round through the VR loop. Like it almost felt like vicious had said like, okay, go distract him and then we'll show up and kill him. And she was like, okay. Cause there wasn't a lot of like, it didn't seem like there was love when they saw each other in the street. Right. Like she wasn't like, Oh, spike. It was like all trauma. Yeah. It was immediately like, (laughs) here comes the hurt. Like, and So yeah, so to our friend in the chat, JB's point, there is so little chemistry between them. I wonder if that's by design for that scene. Because it's like, you you know, she's not supposed to feel familiar at that point, because it has been a couple of years. It's, yeah, I mean... Ah, that's that's it's a difficult question to answer and i think it's a great point point. and yes thank you Angelus, for getting us the time code on the button that was that is excellent i put that up on the screen and if you're listening in podcast land that is at 1604 in the episode go check out the buttons i might be able to show it well, we might be able to show it we'll see Angels
2: corrected it to 1607 oh
0: 1607 there we go thank you Angelus, for making the correction. We actually used to have a whole segment of corrections here on Sudden But Inevitable, but we stopped doing it because we felt it would be more jazzy not to. Looks like we got a black screen, my friend.
1: Yeah, I think we're blocked out anyways, whether we
0: want to or not. It's okay to be blocked out. We will add the shot to our Instagram account as soon as I catch up to that, which of course is at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast on Instagram. You can see all of our selections for a shot of the show. I think right now I'm up to episode Two, maybe episode three? I gotta get on it. I'm, I'm much more active on Twitter, at Sudden Butt, so if you want to get directly a hold of me, go there. Uh, Ricky D, is there anything else from this episode you feel like we have to discuss before we get to our segments?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the final scenes between Mel and Faye, she gives the railgun to Mel as kind of a gift. And I was watching this going, well... Guns tend to symbolize penises. (laughs) You I think Faye is giving a phallic symbol to Mel.
0: No, she's giving her a thing that belongs to her so that they have a paper-thin excuse to see each other again. (laughs) Maybe. Remember, I'm going to give you your gun back. She's yours whenever you want her, is how she phrased it.
2: Um I like I like how Ricky D said at the beginning he doesn't want to be that guy and then the whole episode he's just that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Thank you, jimmy it's, He's
0: perpetually that guy. That's why we have Ricky D here with us, my friends. Um but I mean it's it is a thing. You know, they, they have to create this, like I said, they have to create at least some kind of like uh a, a minimal um a paper thin reason, a pretext, right, for them to be able to spend this time together. We have uh uh sorry, Callie D, I believe it is your turn if you would like if there's anything else from this episode that you would like to discuss before we get to our segments.
2: I think the only note that I still have is I don't know, just um I wrote down Faye and Mel have the healthiest relationship on the whole show. So it's like even if you even look at the crew, like the and I, I love the dynamic of the crew, that is really cool and really great, but they don't talk about the feelings or anything. So
0: Yeah. It's definitely the healthiest relationship, I think, across both versions of Cowboy Bebop. Mm. I mean...
2: Ed and Ein. You know?
0: Yep. I mean, okay. <laughs> but does that relationship have a chance not to be How healthy? How dare
1: you?
2: I, but you know what I mean?
0: Like, is there anything about that relationship that's like, oh, that could have gone poorly? Like, I... But I... I you, you know what? I stand corrected. <laughs> that might be the first time I've ever said that on this show. Ever. And... Probably the last time I'll ever say that, ever. And I'm going to cut it. Um, Because our friend Angelus is very supportive of the show, Sudden But Inevitable, he has sent me this very cool screenshot of Spike's buttons. I cannot see (laughs) super clearly, but if you look right here on on the white of his button, you can definitely see that there's a symbol there. It's not ultra high definition on your screen right now, but the time code provided will help you find that at 1607. Great catch, by the way, Callie yeah.
2: D. I did Very have to cool. look it up, though. And that's even, I did, like, take one semester of Japanese, but that was a long time ago. I, I was, wouldn't though. even know how to look it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what did you Google, like, Spike's Button from this actually, episode? Yes. Or... wow,
2: <laughs> There was That's impressive. I actually Googled Spike's, like, Spike's Button, and there was, like, this... Um, and there was like a website with like fun facts and it was like just one of those and I was like, ah, okay, there we go. So yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, Ricky, you did miss this pun, to I which did. our friend Sincera says, We'll be in our bunk. It all goes back to Firefly. With a space western, it's just inevitable and sudden. I couldn't help myself. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. What do you think about the Uh, health of the relationship with Faye and Mel versus the dynamic of that of the crew. I completely agree.
1: Uh, Even though the crew has a very... uh, Spike and Jet for example, and even very recently Spike and Faye do have very good, very healthy relationships but they're you could argue they're kind of shallow relationships. Yeah. Uh, And this relationship that kind of got built during this episode between Mel and Faye uh, there was intimacy there there was trust there was a lot of, there was a very deep relationship being formed, and I completely agree.
0: Our fr- Speaking of things you completely agree with, our friend <laughs> Rona says, there ought to be a groan emoji just for you guys' jokes. I agree with you 100%, Rona. These people and their lowbrow jokes, there's nothing I can do. I've tried. I promise you I have tried. As our guest, Callie D., I will throw it back to you. Is there? I believe you said that was your final note. Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss before we jump into our segments for this week?
2: Mm, No, I believe I am done with my notes.
0: My friend Ricky D., is there anything from this week's episode that you feel you must discuss before we get to our segments for this week? I am good to go. All right. Well then, Ricky D., if you don't mind, my friend, cue up that bumper. That bumper, of course, is what we like to call our first weekly segment, which is Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episodes. Those moments that now live rent-free in our heads. I think... I actually, I don't think. I know how we're going to do this. But let me explain it for those of you at home. We're going to take Callie's selection first, then we're going to do Ricky D. Then I'm going to go... And then, if by some miracle, Josh happens to be here, by the time his shot comes up, Josh will share his shot with us. But if he's not, I will go ahead and take care of sharing Josh's shot of the show with the audience. That is difficult to say. That's a lot of eshish. Eshish. That's a lot of shushish. So, Callie D., my friend, this is your shot of the show. The time code for it is 16 minutes and 31 seconds. Talk about this shot for us, please.
2: Yes. So this is a shot after he has strapped himself well got himself strapped into the very ominous chair um and we're not quite sure what but something got injected Ooh, yeah. into his veins and then goes to his forehead and sort of spreads out and um, i don't know i mean i'm i'm a simple nursing girl so there are just a few things that i really really like one of them being um if you know you have like veins that are just visible on like your arms which i don't know it's very much like that because then i want to just go and take your blood. Um, the second thing is when series and films get medical stuff right. And the third thing is very weird and awesome medical tech, which I don't understand. And this is one of them. So like, just, just this whole picture had me wanting to, I don't know, I wanted to spend hours um, researching what was actually going on there. So why did that get injected and what exactly was it? Because it looked like an artificial intelligence version of the sliver Um monster from <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes
2: and i don't know excellent sudden
0: but inevitable callback
2: i know <laughs> right between the seasons so i don't know, it's had had me, had me asking so many questions so what is it made of um you know what would have happened if we had woken up at uh, woken spike up at this point um is there's any left it left in the brain later i don't know um yeah and i spent a lot of time just trying to work out what exactly is happening and just all around. Also, I was looking at all of the screens and, you know, checking whether there was any medical info in there that could help. There wasn't, like, there was some stuff, but mostly <laughs> just, like, heart rate and stuff. But, yeah, I, it was very intriguing. Made me very happy.
0: <laughs> and what is that? Like, is that a nanobot? Is that, like, that shape on his forehead, right? Like, yeah. is that, what is that? I gotta know. And, and <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't, but it's just, like, it really gets across to you that, I mean, to me, I heard the words "brain scratch" when I saw that shot. I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's super visceral!" <laughs> like I could, I almost feel like I can, I want to scratch my eyebrows now. That's weird. Uh, excellent analysis of that shot. The thing that really stands out to me, like you were saying, we've got all this like creepy medical stuff going on. I mean, clearly John Cho still looks amazing, even though he's been restrained. Obviously especially because <laughs> what i oh, wow <laughs> what i like about the restraints is that you can clearly see how they work mechanically right they fold out from a single piece and they've got these jointed it goes it's like uh three prongs then two prongs then three prongs and two prongs so it could fold into like a well, it's like a folding stadium chair of of bondage um yeah so Ricky D, your shot comes from 28 minutes and one second. Please, my friend, talk about this shot.
1: Yeah, uh, this is uh, Spike's final trip through his little virtual reality place. Things are breaking down to a maximum at this point. Uh, Every time, especially when there's movement on screen, it looks like it's poorly rendered. And, uh, of course, all this is just happening in Spike's brain. So it, it has to do with the fact that his brain is... Losing power or the power is being sent elsewhere. Something like that. And I just really liked that. Uh, the If you watch all the different times he goes through this situation. The first time it's kind of hard to notice that things are degraded. You have to pay attention. It's fairly subtle. And by this point, these people are like almost glitching in and out of his world. Because everything is so confusing and just not quite... It's degra- It's downgrading.
0: Yeah, 100%. And shout out to anybody in the live chat or maybe out there in podcast land who has ever used Adobe Photoshop. This is what we like to call the glowing edges filter. You just apply this to anything and it makes it look like it's on like a weird old school like video monitor that just messes with like depth of perception and it's got yeah the, the edge thing is what like we were talking about that dreamlike quality earlier that's an excellent excellent shot to illustrate that quality ricky so going chronologically that means that my shot is up next which of course well, comes is there in. Some at, no that shot comes after my shot ricky look okay. at the look at the time stamps my yes. shot comes at 3305. Jeez man, I'm trying to walk all over me on my own show. <laughs> my shot my shot comes at 3305.
1: Yay.
0: And and it had to be this, right? It had to be. It's it's Faye and her her rail gun. And up to this point you could argue that it was the Fail gun because <laughs> that has the word Faye in it and also they thought it wouldn't work. Do you see how the joke is funnier when I explain the entire thing? <laughs> But, I mean, just look at her. She has all the confidence in the world right here. She knows this is going to work. No question in her heart. But if you look at her eyes, Mm -hmm. there is a tiny little modicum of doubt. She's like, whoo, buddy, everybody thinks this is not going to work. There is a chance that this won't work. (laughs) She's aiming confidently, but her eyes tell us otherwise. Which I think it just, again, it points to the masterful execution that is Daniela Pineda's performance of Faye. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe I had mentioned earlier that there was a chance that this might happen because we normally have another person here for Sudden But Inevitable, and that person is a very longtime friend of mine, and I can do nothing but forgive that person and welcome that person to the show. I'm going to do that right now. Ladies and gentlemen... Our friend Josh has made it back from his errand. It is Josh at the Twist My Arm cast. Welcome to the show, Josh. (laughs) You are here here just in time to discover. (laughs) What up? You've gotten here right at the prime moment to discuss your shot of the show. But before we get to your shot of the show, because we do need to get to that, I'm going to give you five minutes or less. Start at the top. Tell us how you feel about the episode, Josh.
3: This is what it's like to be on the spot i hate this episode this is my least favorite episode of the entire series um and it's only because it's one of those episodes that just repeats it's one of those like ah we're kind of out of ideas so let's put him in a in a repeater and we'll just we'll pull the harry potter thing and do the the time you know. whatever i just it's not it's not my favorite it i i watched it four times and like you know whatever it's it's good i I guess there's a cool fake out i really liked the fake out with the you know when julia comes in and and starts saying stuff and then gets killed and it's kind of reminiscent of the season finale of the original anime like i really liked those kind of um similarities but it's just to me this this one doesn't really move the story forward too much it doesn't really it just kind of seems like it's in place you know it's just kind of Hoop, which and I and I prepared for this. <laughs> it's one of those episodes that's very anime cowboy bebop. Like it's a standalone episode that doesn't really have to do with the main plot. I, to me personally, I don't think it really has has uh, much to do with the main plot, which kind of gives it that more cartoony feel, that that one off episode kind of feel. Um and you guys know and you guys know me. I'm yeah. I'm not into that at all. <laughs> like <laughs> give me more story or give me death, <laughs> which I, I got to say, like you just must've hated all of the TV
0: in the 1990s. Uh, but we do have JB in the chat who <laughs> totally agrees with you. They're on team Josh. Um,
3: Hashtag team Josh. Yeah.
0: Earlier in earlier though, Rona was um, offering to adopt you. And I, I think that, that she's adopted offer, everyone. Miscinded. Don't worry about it. There was a run of adoptions in the live chat. Um, <laughs> you missed that a lot adopted. but that's, i so i incredible. have a question though i know that you so you mentioned that you liked how they sort of remixed the julia plot right they went hey here's some end of series character development she's not really dead but like what if we just killed her in front of you right so how else could they really do that though without a simulation right and i'm not saying that like this is the only way josh you have to accept it i'm just saying i think i see where they were coming from cuz they were like we got to change up what she represents, if we're gonna do what we're gonna do with her character—spoiler alert—sure, they're gonna. There has to be a way to give him that development without actually removing her character, right? And I guess so. If they went okay, so let me just ask it this way: If this was a dream instead of a simulation, would you
3: still be upset? No, not even really? a little bit. I would be I think, so
0: upset if this was a
3: dream. I I honestly think if at the end of the episode he wakes up to Faye like yelling at him about water or something like hot water or something then I might have been okay with it. But it just it just seemed it was it was one of those loop episodes where it's like we're going to revisit the same thing over and over and over again and have <laughs> very little plot moving forward and anything else. So well it's I mean, just, that's yeah. just me though. I mean, I like most of the other episodes. This, but this is one of my least favorite for sure. That's, <laughs> that's totally fair. And I'm <laughs> glad that you were able to get here in
0: time to share your words with us on your own because I fully planned to misrepresent you entirely, <laughs> as I have been known to do.
3: So he was gonna think, he was gonna take my my rating off the spreadsheet and up it by two notches and be like, yeah, it was fine. He loved it. Oh no, I was going
0: to leave it there and just lie on air so that there's nothing you could do. Because then I could just, if you did anything, I'd be like, well, mine's on the air. So clearly one of us is lying. So, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I have told people that the relationship that you and I have is akin to that of brothers. And that's why sometimes it feels like we're very unfair with one another.
3: And that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Again, like, like, like brothers do, you know, we move on um here's a question from the live chat josh what if
0: Julia was using a the prestige tesla box would that be an acceptable device for you with which to reset things (laughs) (laughs) okay actually i love
3: that movie the prestige but like i don't (laughs) i don't i I, I thought i like both of those i I like the prestige and the other one um Illusionist. The Illusionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out like the same time, but they were great. Yep.
0: They were the Armageddon deep impact of Magic yeah. Guy does a thing cr- potentially crime adjacent movies. Like <laughs> Why was that yeah. a genre? Probably because of the year that it came out. Um Josh, I do feel like the last thing that we should do before we get to your shot of the show is ask you this question that we asked um everybody else and I think you'll probably have a similar answer to probably Ricky D if I were going to guess. But Yeah. If an AI were trying to exploit your emotional tether so it could detach your consciousness from your neural network, who would be in the VR simulation with you?
3: Oh, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know, cause cause I feel like it's something that or some someone that you know you're super attached to, someone that you're very familiar with. Probably my cat, to be honest with you. Yep. And that's that's why I said, I think your answer will be similar to Ricky D because he picked Zoe, the dog.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Trev. Yeah. No other attachments,
1: really. Yeah. I
3: don't. I don't. Like, yeah. Trev is my one and only. You know, she's my soulmate. So they both had
0: the chance to save me and they didn't. So um, Rona says, Is all the world a circus, as in Andy? And that was the only pun that she put up this whole episode. I can't believe that she had a whole episode making fun of us about our puns, and then she drops that on us. But to be fair, she said it would be the only one. All right, Josh. Let's get to it. And I think, you know what? I'm going to make you throw it up your dang self. Show That's us fine. your shot of the show and Here talk I'm, about it. I'm
3: ready. I'm ready to produce. I'm at the 37.52 mark, and I just really love this shot of Vicious, because A, he looks vicious, and B, he makes me laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like He looks so- more unhinged than usual. Right. Right. And, and just that like maniacal smile and the, the eyes and the the hair flowing. I don't know. It just, I really like this shot and it's very brief. Um, I feel like I've picked very brief shots over the last couple weeks that like come in for a second or two, you know, but I just really, it's one of those shots that when I'm watching the show, I paused it to like take it all in. You know what I mean? To be like, ah, yeah, this is cool. But, uh, yeah, just you know, just, it's, this it's pretty fun. good. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> this is my impression of vicious. <laughs> Your eyes need to be wider, though. There you go. Yeah, that's much better. I like it.
2: In the meantime, the puns are getting worse.
3: I think we
0: found. <laughs> I think we found our thumbnail for this episode. Um, yeah. Callie D. That's um, actually um, a logical fallacy. Puns cannot start good so like. is that a star wars pun that
3: angelus just made
0: oh i doubt it. it let's go ahead and move on um so <laughs> in the spirit of moving on our next segment is a segment that we like to call no finer one-liner
3: listen i just drove in the snow for like two hours okay hey, so it's, it's amazing that i even remembered to find that that's cool <laughs> it's i've been
0: pretty much making fun of you the whole episode so if you want to hear that just go back <laughs> i'm totally i'm totally playing oh I, I will listen don't worry as we have said before a lot of us have taken a lot of effort to be on some of these episodes and that's one of the things that we appreciate the most about sudden but inevitable in general like ricky has pushed through whether you've pushed through whether we've got people here from other freaking countries like this is amazing. And I'm going to take this moment to say thank you again to the live chat. Thank you to Angelus. Thank you to Rona. Thank you to JB. Thank you to Ozzy Girl. Thank you to Meg, who was here for a long time. Josh, you missed Meg in the chat. Oh, Cheers man. to you guys. Oh, it man, the first yeah. chat was
3: back. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, thank you to
0: Sincera. And and yes, thank you, Josh, for being here. Thank you, Kelly D., for joining us this week. This has been a very good time. I've been really enjoying this, you guys. So, as you may know, No Finer One Liner is where we share our favorite dialogue from this week's episode, which is just it's 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 so noir and jazzy and cool the series I mean that I feel like this is one of the harder segments for me to pick every week you guys I f- it feel like it takes me two watches to pick my my actual quote my shot I usually get right away but my quote takes a minute so Callie D as our guest Josh will go ahead and play your quote and then we will have you discuss it
2: I don't know who you were what you forgot But I don't think that changes the soul. And I can see you've got a really, really good soul. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, There are lots of really, really cool quotes in the episodes. And, you know, always really cool quotes. But that was just I don't know, I really like that. Um, as I said before, and I really love Mel. Like She's a really great character. And that was just the moment where I just realised you know, she's not just cool and intelligent and say to day, but she is also wholesome and supportive. And yeah, that like I said, that was the second where I kind of thought, OK, I really want Mel and Faye to just get together and travel the universe together. And, you know, the others can join if they want, but I, I need those two. <laughs>
3: I almost picked that line, too. Actually, that was the original line that I picked. And then I had to go back and look at the message you sent me. And I was like, "Ah,
2: damn. Sorry.
3: (laughs) No, it's a great line. I love that. That whole whole, um, scene with them talking and stuff is really, really like, it's probably one of the best scenes of the entire show, the entire episode. See, I was going to point to that scene and say is that
0: why you don't like it Josh because they're so happy and they're being nice to each other you're being a jerk about it like but I realized that would be Dang, more I don't
3: hate people's happiness <laughs> I know
0: I realized that was more Ricky D's brand and that's why I didn't ask you so I, I, <laughs> I just wanted to clarify I almost jumped on you and I didn't yeah Josh welcome. yeah
2: well done um,
0: but thank you I appreciate that uh, Ricky D I believe is next in the rotation Josh if you don't mind play Ricky D's quote What the fuck?
1: Oh my God. Do you knock?
0: This is the engine
1: room. Spike's in trouble. So that was my pick, of course. (laughs) Uh, I thought it showed a lot of great relationships between everybody. Obviously Mel and Faye are getting to know each other. Jet
0: pokes his head in.
1: At a time where most people would be very curious about what's happening in that room.
3: Getting to know <laughs> each other.
0: Really, that was the uh, phrasing you chose to turn into a pun that he just used? Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead.
1: Uh, and, you know, where you, most times you expect Jet to go, oh, hey, ladies, how are you doing? Uh, it's No, he's completely focused on Spike. He's focused on getting everybody safe. Sorry, I just got distracted by a little something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that... Even though there was something very tantalizing going on, Jet was just very focused. We got to get Spike, you two, put your pants on, fix the uh, J-72 modulator. Or <laughs> <The> whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, you know, it, like I always pick, I like the quotes that uh, just kind of, it shows the relationships between everybody.
0: I agree. And I do really quickly, I have to remedy. I forgot to mention Kayla's out loud, and I apologize for that. Kayla's thank you for being here with us. Rona says, this is one of the first times we've been able to get her out of bed at 4 a.m. to watch the live show. Kayla's your family is crazy like thank you for being here I can't believe they make you do that and it means the world to me that they do and I hope they do it more often but I I, I understand that that's not a, an easy thing to, to do so thank you for being here with
2: us well um, to that point um one of the first times that Kayla's actually the first time that Kayla's was on the watched live was one of the first times I watched live and the very first time I started commenting in the live chat so that was just because my sister was next to me and supporting me and I did killed them so really i'm only here because of her it
0: all comes full circle Hmm. and a beautiful familial moment which we don't have any lack of here at sudden but inevitable which is all about found family in this case it's actual family now ricky d there was a lot to unpack in what you said so what i'm gonna say is um i think you sounded a lot like Bo Billingsley when you did your Jet impression. Like, I was immediately trans- transported. I have no back idea who the, that is. He's the guy who voiced Jet in the anime. I was like, oh, that oh, sounded, like, that Go sounded me. like Jet. Yeah. <laughs> um, in case you're wondering, Josh and Ricky D are terrible with names. It's not that they don't care, it's just that names, not really something that sticks. Um, this is Kayla's. I remembered third... some
3: crap on Quest Me the other day about like some stupid Star Wars thing. And I was like, how do I not remember names? But I remember
0: oh i thought you were gonna say hey man i remembered something already this week so i hit my quota but that Uh, what you said makes better (laughs) (laughs) sense (laughs) no yours makes better sense um but i i think you're right ricky d he does it jet doesn't take the moment to like you know shame them or like do anything untoward he's just like come on can we please get this on the road you know i i would really appreciate that and i as a as a person felt you know as a dad I remember feeling like, this is Jet's ship. He should not have to knock anywhere. But I get that that is the joke. So, Um, Josh, if you don't mind, share your pick for No Finder One Liner with us.
2: You should find the last person who wrenched in here, and you should put a bullet in him. Yeah. You know what? Put two.
0: I was the last person who wrenched
3: around in there.
2: Yeah? Yeah. You do your own dental work, too?
1: It was working
3: just fine until last night, thank you. I feel like I've had that same argument with multiple people like i just you know i know i'm right but i'm actually wrong and i'll just keep i'll just keep arguing the point and that's why i picked that one because (laughs) it's very familiar to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) very human very relatable i i think i like those those reasons um yeah and it's it's definitely for a second i was like wait is she making fun of jet's teeth and then i went (laughs) Oh, she's saying like, because you're not a you're not a dentist, so (laughs) you're clearly not a
3: mechanic. I I figured it out. It took me a second. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a pretty big burn. It was a burn like, a burn within a burn. You know what I mean? Right. And
0: I gotta say, I think that I like that about Jet that he just he owns a means to an end, like Mal. Right? They just own a ship so that they can get away from all the BS, like, and just kind of do whatever but that doesn't mean that they know how to make that ship go. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. like, I I could pay somebody else to make it go. And cause that's what I need. I need it to go. And that's, that's it. And I, anytime we can find a parallel between a firefly character and a bebop character, I am happy. And there have been plenty of those this episode. We've got Jet and Mal. We've also got uh, Mel and Kaylee. So I I really like that. Josh, if you don't mind to share my pick for quote this week,
2: does he know what you used to do? Who used to be?
0: No.
1: He's probably going to kill me when he finds out. But it was inevitable the truth was going to land one day.
0: Uh, I picked that because he said inevitable.
3: (laughs) I was going to say that. I was like, as I'm making that video, I was like, did he just pick this because he said inevitable? And I almost capitalized inevitable. I should (laughs) have. Uh... You no, know, so
0: actually <laughs> I mean that's part of it. That's honestly part of it. It had to be part of it, right? Because I mean it's right there. Um but I I honestly feel like this is this is our this is how you can tell this is a remixed bebop, right? Because Spike never said this out loud in the original series. This is just how Spike did how he acted, right? He never told him about his past cuz he was like, mm, I don't think you would like that." Um, I'm going to continue to not tell you about my past, even though you're clearly still asking about it and you would like to know. And it might be beneficial, actually, to let you know. I'm still not going to say anything for a myriad reasons. But uh, he did. He also said inevitable. So (laughs) it's like it would (laughs) be stupid not to say that Um, really quickly. Hello. To Roy the Intrepid DM in our live chat he is here he just finished up his stream I'm sorry Roy I don't remember the name of the game but it is a very new cool game go check out Roy on Twitch he is the Intrepid DM I promise if you're into tabletop RPGs or RPGs of any kind you will have a good time at Roy's stream Uh, he just made it here for the beautiful group at the end of his stream that's why he ended it I totally called it he's the man
3: Uh, there will also be a link to all of his live shows on the website twistmyarm.net um anytime roy is live you can just go to the intrepid dm page on the website and it will take you directly to his twitch
0: how smooth is that oh you guys that is it for our weekly segments because we don't have a bumper for the last thing that we generally do in the week and rating
3: rating rating rating
0: yeah we can't decide i mean i know i don't want it to be that but um we'll figure something out <laughs> moving forward we'll figure something out uh, but I, I, feel like we may have spoiled our ratings a little bit so far in this episode and that's okay. You know, it's not like a hard and fast rule. It's very jazzy. It's very, it's very loose and goose, uh, equal parts, I think. So <laughs> Callie D as our guest this week, why don't you go ahead and start off the ratings train for this week's episode, Binary Two-Step.
2: Ooh, So, like I said, this is was definitely one of my favorites because what Josh hates about, hates about it is what I love about it. I'm sorry, Josh. I love Groundhog Day episodes. They like, all the classics have it. Like, look at Buffy, Doctor Who, Supernatural. They have. They all have it. And this Thank is. You. is I love it. It's awesome. Star Trek. You
3: know, I didn't watch any of the shows you just mentioned.
2: <laughs> we're, we're going to have to talk about our friendship, Josh. Honestly. Please. <laughs> so, uh, yes. To counteract whatever Josh is going to say. Um, I'm gonna leave us at a definite nine point
0: eight. I think that's a good idea. He we probably should have had him go first so that we could counteract him yeah. in the opposite way. But uh, Josh, let's pretend next. let's pretend we're all being a hundred percent good faith actors with our ratings this week. Ricky D, what is your rating for this week's episode, my friend?
1: I'm gonna go seven. It was a good episode. It wasn't my favorite. I definitely enjoyed the groundhog day feature. There was all that. There was uh there was another part of the show that I really liked. Yes. The lesbian scene, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, but you know, Josh has some legitimate complaints. It's not the best episode. It's not my favorite, but I think seven is a solid rating, and I did really enjoy the episode because you know, yeah,
3: yeah,
0: the lesbian scene. I can I can totally understand uh, where you are coming from. Our friend
3: JB in the chat says, Josh, you should watch Edge of Tomorrow. I hated that movie. Dude. I loved that movie. <laughs> I was going to say I yeah, hated I'm that sure. movie so much. I'm sure. I like Josh Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, but God, Edge of Tomorrow. I mm, Nah, I'm good. Josh, <laughs> give us your rating for this week's episode. I'm just going to be really polite and quick
0: and give it a six. <laughs> um, do you have the spreadsheet pulled up, Josh? Because I don't remember if I placed my rating in there and... If I did, I don't remember what I wrote down.
3: I don't, but give me uh, three seconds. Okay. And here we are on the segment spreadsheet. You had eight. All right.
0: I give this episode an eight. That sounds like something I would do. And I assume that the reason that I did that is specifically for the very small, tender moments and the moments of wholesome... You um, just have to say it. Wholesome love, right? Because... Faye has this wholesome love for her potentially defective railgun. She has a potentially defective love for this new mechanic. Um, The new mechanic has fallen for Faye. Not hook, line, and sinker, but, you know, she's definitely stepping in whatever Faye is laying down. And I just, there's so many little moments. We've got that, we've got the spike Deciding, no, I can't give Julia up, even though I just went through a whole simulation designed to get me to do that. I feel like that might have been our proof that this that this creative team understands these characters, right? Because they know Spike would never just say, sure, yeah, I'm done with Julia. So I think all of those culminated moments make me give this episode an 8 out of 10. And I believe that brings our total score for this episode to a 77. Which is not bad. I feel like that's again continues to be an honest score. Uh, Ricky D's average continues to drive us directly into the seven point something range on, <laughs> on most of our scores. I don't think that's bad. That's my goal.
3: I think that happened, <laughs> Ricky D.
0: Well, I think that it's the key is that it's honest, right? Ricky was pretty clear up front. He's like, "There's not much that I don't like about this. I think they're all above average, but you know, there are others that he he does love." So, I'm sure. That these things will happen. Uh, potentially defective equals scam, says Angelus in the chat. I mean, she it's did get Sam. Faye her pin. Tom Cruise, our future Tony Stark. I don't. Just wait for that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse like of that. Madness. Catch oh. us on
3: Marvel's Can of Madness every Monday, every other Monday.
0: <laughs> I see. He would be like a uh, a variant cameo. I could that I could be into. I think he's
3: absolutely cool. going to be in there, just like John Krasinski is going to be a variant. Uh, whatever Fantastic Four guy, uh, Reed Richards. Uh, Ricky D
0: is being assaulted by a cat, ladies and gentlemen. I just think that's worth pointing out. So, my friends, good. I believe that is all of the business that we have to take care of, with the exception of asking our very good friend and guest, Callie D. If the good folks out there in podcast lane or watching on YouTube live would like to get more Callie D in their internet time, how could they do that?
2: Ooh, well, probably best via Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at Dali underscore Cali. And I'm just going to use this chance to uh, plug the uh, small, tiny, tiny shop that my sister and I have got running, which is um, has its own handle, which is at Adorabubble underscore art. And there are lots of cute pictures of Highland cows and things that Kayla's Smith
0: And Firefly characters. There's some cool cool stuff at the Adora Bubbles shop. Go check it out. All of those links will be in the show notes. My friend Josh, if the good folks out there need more than 20 minutes of you, what should they do?
3: You can find me on Twitter at Twist My um, I'm also on a different show called Quest Me. It's all about Star Wars. This uh, season in particular is The Book of Boba Fett. We are doing our season finale this upcoming Thursday. Um, we normally, we we postpone the episode so we can have a couple people come in and uh, have a little bit more of a finale episode, I guess you would say. So we're doing that next, uh, this next Thursday. Um, but you can also find me on Marvel Canon Madness um, with the intrepid DM, Roy, um, when we t- where we talk about all the Marvel stuff. Uh, that just kicked off again this last Monday. We took a little bit of a break um, just to kind of, you know gather our thoughts and things so we are back that's every other monday um but honestly if you just go to twistmarm.net you can find all of our shows and all of our handles and all that stuff right in that place including our store and everything else so i'm very excited about twistmarum.net because twistmarm.net it's it's a good website and <laughs> it's uh the
0: easiest way as josh mentioned to get a hold of everybody here at the network you know, for example, like our friend Ricky D from a little show called Best Flicks with Ricky D. How do people get more of that guy in their days?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which I need to be using a little more often, at Best Ricky too. D. You can find me on the Twist My Arm podcast uh, website, and also you can find me here every Friday on Sudden But Inevitable.
0: Which of course is at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Now, If you need more of me, and I don't know why you do, but I love you.
3: There's a lot of people that do,
0: Jesse. Go check out (laughs) a little podcast called Another Time McCloud. It is a minute-by-minute Highlander podcast. I was recently on two consecutive episodes as a guest. I got to say I had a blast. Thank you to the Robs for having me. Go check those out, you guys, please. I want to be the guy that when I show up at a podcast, my listeners go to that podcast, download it, and listen to it, and go, I love Highlander just as much as you guys do, even if ricky d isn't one of those people so go listen to another time mcleod my two episodes are the most recent then just listen to the whole back catalog it's a great show definitely also listen to our friends that we mentioned before sean at cheap seat reviews they're the uh, podcast that reviews the hollywood film industry for the greater good they are also the creators of this very fine mug that you see here on the live stream Also, be sure to listen to Green Shirt and Newbies Trek. I'm jealous trek. of that mug. It's, <laughs>
3: awesome. it's
0: it's I won it in a live stream actually. Off. Oh, cheap so, noted. So keep that in mind. Uh, also, make sure to listen to Green Shirt and Newbies Trek through the Next Generation. That is our good friend Cameron, and our good friend Cameron will be here next week to talk about next week's episode with us and potentially to yell at Josh about the difference between serialization and episodic television and why one is not necessarily better or worse than the other. I don't mean Bring it to poke you. I just think there is probably a discussion coming up next week.
3: That's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that because I know that there are good and bad things of each different type of television. So it's fine. 100%. I'm just going to spotlight these really quickly before we get out
0: of here. Intrepid DM says, I'm only here for everyone's opinion except Ricky D. And Angela says, I feel like a coffee now because of that mug. And JB says, I'll be back for Cameron. And... That is a wonderful thing, because Cameron is one of our favorite guests here on this show. I try not to play favorites, but he has a Star Trek podcast, and when he comes here, I get to go there, so that's cool. (laughs) All right, you guys. Let's go ahead and call it an evening. Let's sign off. And for that order, we'll go Callie, Josh, Ricky, and then myself. So, for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse.
2: I'm Callie.
0: I'm Josh. This is Ricky D. from Best Flicks with Ricky D. See you legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarm podcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.